Cause sometimes I be right. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna start it off by apologizing right up front, right off the rip. I apologize for any sniffles. Uh, you know I came on here last week. I told y'all I was sick. Well, uh, look, man. Um, I feel better, right? It is just a head cold. I'm on the tail end of it. But for whatever reason, um, the whole nasal thing, snotty nose, stuffy nose, a little bit of a cough. So you're going to get some sniffles. <laughs> My apologies. Look, hey, man, I can't leave you hanging. Though. I can't not give you a show because I got some sniffles. We can all get through this, right? We're mature. Welcome back, Cyber Family. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Favs, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. Aww. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. Feeling pretty uh, exceptional. Um, outside of the whole nasal thing. Um, this, this week, I have what I would consider my lock of the year. Okay, and when I say lock of the year, I mean the game that I'm going to pick that I have zero doubt that I am right. Right. Because I think, again, I'm noticing in the in the sports world that a lot of these experts and former players, they all fall into the same trap of. Following what is like being almost like results based and not looking deeper into what's actually happening. I'm not going to spoil the surprise of what I'm talking about or what game I'm referring to, but you might have an idea. But as always, let's start with the quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. So look, let's come out and say it. All right. If no one else wants to say it, I'll be the one to say it. Let's not sugarcoat it. Russell Wilson is playing like dog do. Okay. He got traded like he wanted. He went to Denver. Everyone thought, oh my God, what a perfect fit. Denver's going to take off. He signed a new big contract, and he is absolutely trash. How trash? Well, he's completing only 59%. And in today's NFL, as we'll go over today, where it's all short passes, ding and dunks, quick screens, quick throws, just to get it out of the quarterback's hand, 59% is terrible. He's got four touchdowns and three interceptions on the year. Yes, through five games, he's got four touchdowns. That's bad. He's got an 82.8 QB rating and a 36.5 QBR. He is bad. And if Denver is as good and as ready as you say they were going into the year and all they were was a quarterback short, then guess what? They must have got the wrong one because it ain't working. And I put it a lot of it at his feet. He's been trash. That's it. There's no other way around it. So let's stop sugarcoating it. Let's. Let's, let's be adults about this. He's been bad. Now, listen, am I going to say he fell off? I don't think so. Am I going to say he's overrated? No, I don't think so. Am I going to say that he was never really that good? Maybe uh, he was a bus driver or whatever. No, I'm not going to say any of those things. But I'm going to say he is playing like trash. And if he doesn't turn it around, that team has no chance. Another thing I'm going to come out and say, because like, I'm going to say it. I can't be the only one who notices. Is it just me or does Aaron Rodgers seem like he really doesn't love football anymore? Now, Aaron Rodgers has always been a guy who kind of felt more like I'm in it to prove you all wrong. Like, I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm trying to prove you, 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 and you wrong. More so than it was, oh, God, I just love this game. Right? And now I see Aaron Rodgers. He he was flirting with retirement. 
he came out of retirement. He's talking about, you know, trade me. I don't really want to be here. And they're talking about, oh, could we trade him? No, no. Then they gave him a crazy, crazy contract, right? A little extension, make him happy. Then they went ahead and traded his, his favorite receiver. And I feel like at that point in his mind, it went to, boop, I got my money. I've got whatever records I have. I have the reputation I have. I have a Super Bowl championship. I'm just not that invested anymore. That's what it looks like to me. And it looks like that to me because if you look at the way he dresses, if you look at what he talks about and the things that he seems really passionate about, right? If you pay attention to him, he seems really passionate about things outside of the NFL. And as an as a comparative example, look at someone like a Kyrie Irving, who everyone will say, oh, he seems like he's more interested in stuff outside of basketball than actually basketball. So if it's fair to say that about Kyrie, then let's look at Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, listen, these ayahuasca trips, the whole vaccine thing and his political side and all this other stuff. He seems to be way more interested in that side of his life and not really as interested in football. He's just really good at it. And so he does it. I'm sure it's fun for him. I'm sure he enjoys it, but I don't think he has a deep burning love for it and 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 I, that's it that's my opinion that's what it looks like to me i'm out <laughs> so the errol spence versus terence crawford fight um apparently is off now there's some rumors going around that it's been pushed back or it's getting pushed back and there's some rumors that say listen it's the fight's done it's not happening now what i would say is uh what it's over apparently is uh terence crawford left top rank and so now he's kind of promoting himself so he was going to be getting less money for that reason. So he's getting the lesser of the split. But the way they decided to split things was he was going to get a percentage of the total income generated by the fight. And that would be the gate. That would be whatever. However, that fight is going to make money. He's supposed to get a certain percentage of that. So now apparently he's asking for full transparency in every expense that's going or that's going to be uh, for the fight. So basically the venue, how much is the venue costing? How much is this costing? Because that's going to eat up into his percentage. So he wants to have a say or input in that. Now, of course, you know, the promoters for, you know, for Errol Spence are going to be like, no, like, this is what we do. This is not what you do. You fight like you're not the A side. So you don't get to have that level of control. And so now apparently the fight is off. Here's what I'm going to say. Terrence Crawford is 35 years old. Here's the problem, and this has been the problem. This fight has been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and they've been trying to build a buzz for this fight because they know once this fight happens, there may or may not be a burning desire for a rematch depending on how good the fight is. And if one of them were to look really, really bad, that's it. You get one shot at this, right? So if you're a promoter and you're thinking, man, we got this fighter, we got that fighter, we got one shot to make this fight a mega fight. So let's do everything we can to make it a mega fight. The problem is, as you were trying to build it as a mega fight, Terrence Crawford got old. He's 35, man. So at this point, he's got to cash out with this fight. This fight is it. That's it. That Like, this is his last chance. So he's going to do whatever he has to do to, to, to get the fight and get the most amount of money and maximize it because that's the way boxing is built. Maximize your profit, maximize your income, and then get out because once you lose, once you that, that air of mystery, that air of dominance is gone, the fans will turn in a, in a, just like that, and now you can't make no more money. Now you're going right back to the trash heap fighting for pennies on the dollar. I think that sucks, man. This fight needs to happen because they're two of the best fighters at 147. And so they need to fight. That's it. The best should fight the best. 
okay boxing fans will show up for that fight whether it was built up for 10 years or it happened the moment that either one of them turned pro good fights attract fight fans stop trying to attract the people who don't really love boxing and trying to cash out do right by the fan base right do right by the fan base and then that fan base will grow that's the reason why the ufc is winning right now because they are catering to ufc fans and you know what we're all doing who aren't ufc fans we're hearing all this talk about how great these events are so we end up checking one out and you know what we think when we check it out when i just come over there to take a peek at what's going on at the ufc i see a great card i see a great event it makes me say man the next time they have one of those i'm gonna check that out again because that was fun that's how you attract the non-fans. You don't attract the non-fans by selling them a bunch of magic beans and then they show up to watch it and it's dog do. It's a terrible presentation. That's not what you do. That's backwards. And I know you don't care because you're just trying to make, you know what? I'm done. I'm not ranting on boxing anymore. You know what? I'm back. <laughs> so Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia apparently is a done deal, right? Both men tweeted that just the word done. Then apparently Tank Davis deleted his. Ryan Garcia went on a little Twitter rant talking about how he's in. He's all he, he accepted any all the terms, but now they're backing out, so they know him. Nobody said no names, but it is interesting. They both said done at the same time, same day, and then one of them deleted it. Here's what I would say. There's a lot of talk about how Ryan Garcia is overrated and is not ready for this and they should push this fight back and build up more buzz. Again, it's the same problem you have with Spence versus Crawford. That fight is a fight we've been hearing about for the better part of almost 10 years now. Like, it's crazy how long Spence versus Crawford have been like rumored like, yo, they should fight, they should fight, they should fight. And now you're at this point and it still doesn't have like the amount of buzz you would hope it would have for a five year investment, right? So if you look at Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis, everyone's saying, well, Ryan Garcia hasn't fought anybody. He's not ready to step on the competition. Here's what I would say. Neither did Tank Davis before he did, right? I hate the idea of like, oh, you know, he can't beat him. He ain't fought nobody yet. Well, neither did the guy you think is going to win. Until Tank Davis fought somebody who you deemed a worthy opponent, they were saying the same things about him. At some point, every boxer has to step up their level of competition. And here's what we all know. Every single human on this planet knows there are two kinds of people. One, when they go up against their toughest test, they rise to the occasion. Or two, when they go against their toughest test, they fold. Now, the only way to find out which type of person you are is to go up against your toughest test. So if Ryan Garcia's toughest test is going to be Tank Davis, hey, let's see if he can rise to the occasion or he could fold. I am a personal believer that he will rise to the occasion. And here's why I'll tell you why. I don't believe that Ryan Garcia is calling out Tank because he wants a payday. I think he genuinely believes he can beat him. I think he is that confident in himself, and I think he wants that fight as a competitor. And that is the reason why I think he's going to rise to the occasion. I don't think he's going to fold. Now, look, if he loses, that doesn't mean he couldn't handle the pressure. It just means he got beat. It means maybe Tank Davis is better. Maybe he just got caught with a good shot. Maybe he got caught slipping. I don't know. The fight should happen, and it should happen now. Because again, it's the same thing I said before. If you have the best fighting the best, it's going to, not, there's a there's an 80% chance it's going to be a good fight. And there's a 90% chance it's going to be really good fight. And there's almost 100% certainty you're going to get a great product if you put the best versus the best. These guys are 
alpha males. These guys, literally their job is to physically get another man to give in and give up. They are there to break the man across from them. These are super competitive human beings in a super competitive, raw, primal sport such as boxing. You put the best versus the best, they will rise to the occasion and give you a great fight. And that's why it needs to happen now. With boxing needs to stop trying to build it and build it and build it and build it and build it because the only people that are watching the buildup are boxing fans. And the only thing you're doing to those boxing fans while you're having this buildup is piss them off. We need to stop. Boxing, stop it. Make the fights happen. We boxing fans will watch. Maybe you don't get 2 million pay-per-view buys. Sure. But if you get 500,000 pay-per-view buys from the hardcore fans, they're going to bring somebody over to watch the fight too. And if the fight is a good fight, word of mouth travels fast. Guess what? I didn't know who Nate Diaz was before he fought Conor McGregor. I barely knew who Conor McGregor was. But when I turned on the TV and everywhere I looked, everyone was talking about that fight. And on social media, everybody was talking about the fight. And it kept popping up and popping up and popping up. You see highlights, you're like, damn. All right, next. And then you hear there's a rematch. I'm watching that. I'm not missing the rematch. That's how you build fights. You build fights by having fights. You don't build fights by taking Ryan Garcia and having him fight cupcakes because you don't want him to lose before he gets to that big fight with Tank. And you don't have Tank fight cupcakes so he doesn't lose till he gets that big fight with Ryan Garcia. That's not how you do it because you piss off the true fans and the people who aren't really fans don't pay attention because they don't know who these people are anyway so they're not invested in what they do individually. Make the big events happen. The fans will come. Oh, man. Whew. Animated tonight, boy, I tell you. Listen, I'm on fire. Look, last week, I'm going to be honest with you. Last week uh, was a rough week for me in terms of not only picks, <laughs> uh, but also just in terms of, like, just kind of being, I, was, I wasn't feeling well. My preparation wasn't there. I felt like well, it might have been a little, a little wacky of a show. Today, I am prepared. Check this out. That foliage, that's my notebook. Okay, perfect. Nice, neat notes. So I'm on it today. All right. So this this Sunday was the uh, the first start in the career of Kenny Pickett. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was I was glued. No, you know, what? let me be real honest with you. I didn't get to watch the game. I was pumpkin picking. <laughs> I had to go with, uh, with the wife and kids and uh, some family to go pumpkin picking for the afternoon. So I, I missed the early games. But, you know, as every fan does, we go back, we watch some highlights, we watch some, you know, some clips, we watch what we can. We try to catch up and see what happened and how it kind of turned out. You get the gist of it. So Kenny Pickett, uh, just looking at the raw numbers, looks like he did all right. You would think he did all right, right? You'd be like, oh, he did okay. So he went 34-52. That's way too many attempts for Kenny Pickett. Uh, That's 65% completion. He had 327 yards, uh, 6.3 average, no touchdowns, one pick, uh, a 74.8 rating, and a 56.8 QBR. Now, um, 327 yard, a 300 yard game always looks good. 34, 52 just looks like you had a really big game because that's a lot of completions. But here's what I, here's what I know. I don't understand why the why the sports world is pretending as if Kenny Pickett is the ideal quarterback. Like, let's be honest about it. Before last season, where do you think Kenny Pickett was going to be selected in the draft? 
If Kenny Pickett came out as a junior, Kenny Pickett is probably not drafted. Yeah, I said that's it. That's that's a fact. That's a fact. And I think what happened with Kenny Pickett, and 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 I hate, I hate the fact that I'm like that I've taken this position of I don't think Kenny Pickett is the guy, and I don't understand why everyone else has a feeling like he could be like we're pretending like we don't have hundreds uh uh like a hundred years of the nfl to look back on and see like it's obvious that he's not the guy he doesn't fit in any way shape or form that's not what you look for so what happened to kenny pickett was a perfect storm of things so right before kenny pickett uh was a senior his junior year a guy by the name of Joe Burrow had an amazing season at LSU. So Joe Burrow came up, right? I guess not. It wasn't right before Kenny Pickett, but it was before Kenny Pickett. Joe Burrow, after his junior season, um, was kind of looked at like sixth round pick. He's he's okay, but eh, draftable, but probably not much. And then he had a historic final year at college at LSU. Like, just unbelievable. And shot right up to the number one overall pick. And then what that number one overall pick did was ended up going into the NFL and getting to a Super Bowl in his third year, right? So what happened was, Kenny Pickett now is a guy who, after his junior year, was kind of looked at like, hey, he's not very good. And then had a really good final season at Pitt and became a Heisman candidate. And you know what every draft scout said? Maybe this guy is a lot like Joe Burrow. You heard it all over ESPN, all over NFL Network, all over every draft site, every article. They all looked at it like this is another Joe Burrow situation where you have a guy who coming into his final season was kind of looked at as like a borderline, not even draftable guy. But then he has a really good year and he boosts his draft stock and everyone bought in. Then you had the Steelers who happened to be they play in the same stadium as the Pitt Panthers. And so they saw Kenny Pickett and they kind of knew him and they knew all the guys there and they could interview and they could ask questions. And I'm sure he's a great guy, right? He's fiery, he's tough. He's probably a super cool dude. I got no issues with Kenny Pickett personally. But the reality is, is I went over it all summer long before, during, and after the draft. If Kenny Pickett was coming out last year, he would have not. He would have been one of the worst quarterbacks of that class. He wouldn't have been in the top six or seven of the last six draft classes. He would have been like QB eight in like the last five drafts at least, right? But now this year, because the draft class was so bad, except don't look now, but Bailey Zappi's pretty good, man. I know, I know. That's my guy. That's my guy out in uh, in New England. I think he might make it hard for them to say, who are we going to take, Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi? <laughs> but that's another, another topic for another show. Let's get back to Kenny Pickett. I just, when I look at these numbers from Kenny Pickett, I see exactly what his, what his career is going to be. He's going to be okay. He'll be okay. Is he better than Mitch Trubisky? He'll probably be... Yes, he'll be better than Mitch Trubisky, but only because Trubisky came in and because of where he was drafted has such high expectations that he never met those. If you had low expectations for Trubisky, you would say he's not the worst quarterback we've ever had. But I think 
what Kenny Pickett, I think Kenny Pickett is more, much more confident in what he does than I think Trubisky. I think Trubisky's still trying to prove he can be a pocket quarterback, and I think Kenny Pickett believes in himself as a quarterback, so he doesn't feel the need to have to try to prove that. So I think in that way, he does have a good head on his shoulders, but I just don't think he has the physical tools. I don't. I've watched this guy play in college. I've watched uh, his workout stuff, pro day stuff. I just don't think he has the physical tools. I don't. I think not that Pittsburgh made a mistake. They got themselves a great backup. But that's what he is. Like the team got squat. What, it was 38-3? What did Kenny Pickett provide? Nothing. And that's what you're going to get from Kenny Pickett. That's what he does. That's who he is. That's it. And I said it, be careful what you wish for, because everyone was calling for him to come in. I don't think it gets any better this week, and I don't think it gets any better going forward. And I think he's a guy that will have one of those games every once in a while where you think, wow, that was a really good game. And then they'll have some games like he had on Sunday where like the end numbers look like, all right, it's a rookie. But I also think he's a very experienced rookie, and I think quarterbacks now come into the league and are able to have success because of how um, sophisticated the pass offenses are in college. Those guys come in with a much better understanding of how to study film, read defenses, and like that, way more than they used to. So I think judging by that, I think Kenny Pickett is what he is. I don't think he's going to get better. I think he is what he is. Because I think he maxed out at Pitt, and you saw what that was. That was a, that was a max out. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if it progresses and how well he does. And we'll have a week-to-week update. That's that's my pet project for this year is, is the progress of Kenny Pickett. Another thing I noticed watching um, NFL games this weekend, and I'm sure you noticed it too, was the referees were overly cautious in protecting quarterbacks this weekend. It was kind of upsetting in a lot of ways. And a lot of plays, a lot of hits were made, and you're just waiting for them to throw a flag. It seemed like there was a meeting about is it rough in the past or every time a quarterback went to the ground. And this is, honestly, an overreaction to what happened to Tua, and it is the NFL trying to save its own arse. My problem is you should have done it then. And you didn't. And you made the mistake of not doing it then. And now you're trying to make up for it. But what what happens is by trying to make up for it, you're just kind of ruining what's presently going on. You're making it hard for us now because you're trying to make up for then. Oddly enough, what the NFL is doing is exactly what I said they should have done when Tua first went down on that Sunday. So with their new rules, so they've changed rules now. So the rule is if, if you have any sort of... um you're stumbling around, you're pretty much out of the game. It's over. You're not playing no more. So basically, the NFL has said, hey, we're going to step in and say, even though you stumbled around and even though you might be okay, we're not even going to allow you to take a risk. You're done. You're out. Take your helmet. It's over. And I was saying that's what they should have done with Tua. That's what they should do. Now, I'm not saying that that's a bad rule. That is 100% a good rule. Because if you really care about player safety, then let's not... Make it seem like judgment calls need to be made. If that happens to you, if you're stumbling around, it's over. Your day is done. You obviously, you're dizzy at the very least. That could be head trauma. It could be nothing. But we're not even going to take the chance. We're going to put you in concussion protocol. And we're going to shut you down for the day. 
But what the NFL has to stop doing, what the NFL has to do is they have to make a clear decision on what they're trying to accomplish and then follow through and not be so reactionary to everything. Or come out and have a formal press conference and apologize for what happened and say that you are disturbed by what happened. And so you are ramping up the protection of the players. And so going forward, here's what you're going to do. They should have called the press conference and done it that way. So we all knew going into the weekend to be on the lookout for, oh, this happens. Oh, this is what they were talking about. Not put out some BS statements. Not go through ESPN with some statements. Or NFL Network or some Come out and have a press conference that we all can see. And be transparent about it. Here's what it's going to be. And in the meantime, there may be some calls that are questionable. And so we are able to review it and really get a grip of this. We are putting player safety above all else because that's the most important thing. Without the players, there is no game. So all in all, I like the rule changes. I just think it looks bad for the NFL because it's completely reactionary. It seems very inconsistent at this point, like what is rough in the past or what's not, like how the head injuries, like... Are we like, it's just, it looks, the optics of it look poor and it's kind of chaotic right now. And I think the NFL, again, did the right thing in the wrong way. That's what I would say. That's how I put it. So I know I said this week I wanted to, uh, I wanted to touch on um, real deal or cheat meal. I did want to do that. So I went ahead and I looked at the power rankings for the uh, top 10 teams in the NFL. And I looked at them and I started looking at some numbers and deciding if I think this team is the real deal or if I think they're a cheat meal. Do I think they're really going to be there at the end or do I think it's kind of a little bit like, nah, it's not what it looks like. It might look good right now, but that's not really it. So number one team in the NFL right now is ranked the Chiefs. Now, I think the Chiefs are the real deal. I think Andy Reid is a really good coach. I think that team is is a really well-coached team. I think they are beatable, but I do think they are the real deal in terms of they're going to be a tough out. I don't think they're going to fold and fall apart and disappear. But, you know, I don't think that they're also as invincible as they once were. I do think that they have enough weapons to win games. And I think their coach is one of the best in the league, so that works for them. So I'm going to leave them as real deal. The Bills at number two, of course, they're a real deal. The Bills are no joke. The Bills, I know I picked the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl in the beginning of the year, and I'm going to still hold true to that, but the Bills are scary. Now, number three is interesting because we have the Eagles, the only undefeated team in the NFL left. And I'm I'm here to tell you the Eagles are a cheat meal. The Eagles are not the real deal. They are 100% a cheat meal. I'll get into more of that later. The Vikings at number four, I think they're the real deal. I think I think they're they're very I don't think they're the real deal. We'll leave it at that. The Cowboys at number five. I'm going to put them at the real deal with an asterisk because they are the real deal in terms of that defense is legit. It's not a joke. Five weeks in five games. No joke. That defense is has been consistent from game one. They're improving each game. That defense is legit. And for that reason, I put them as a real deal. The 49ers are a real deal. I think with with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that team believes that they can win. I think the defense believes that they don't have to do as much. They don't have to be as perfect. And I think for that reason, that confidence puts them over the top and makes them a real contender. The Ravens, I'm going to put as a cheat meal. When I watch the Ravens, sometimes I get the impression that it's a bit of a mess. 
And sometimes I feel like so much attention is being paid to Lamar Jackson's contract that that is in some ways like clouding everything that's going on. And I don't I I don't see them having a very successful season and and making a big playoff run. The Packers, that's a cheap meal. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is all in. I don't think he really cares as much as he used to. I think that team is not very good. I don't, you know, I just don't think they're that good. I don't. So I think they're a cheat meal. You got the Buccaneers. I think they're a cheat meal for a lot of the same reasons. I just think Tom Brady has too much going on in his personal life that he's not able to dedicate everything mind heart body into the game and i think for that reason he like he seems a lot more fiery on the sideline he seems like he has a shorter fuse he seems like he's trying a little harder and i think for that reason he's not really enjoying it as much and uh, unfortunately i think that that's going to hold him back i just don't think that he's in the right state of mind to be able to lead that team the way he needs to. So they're a cheat meal. And of course, you have the Chargers at number 10. I'm putting them as the real deal. That's a real deal squad right there. I know they don't look that great. I know Justin Herbert doesn't look like the uh, number two best quarterback in the NFL. Or number three. I don't even remember. Where he, he was number two in my in my rankings. Uh, but I do expect them to turn things around and and kind of with each passing week get a little better, a little better, a little better. And I think that they will be uh, in, in that AFC championship game for sure. So I started off this show by saying that I have my lock of the year. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm predicting a game this year, this week. And this is my one where it's like if I was going to bet the house, this is the one I'm betting the house on. Every once in a while, I feel like I see things happening. And I could I, I look at it and I'm like, well, I, I don't that I know everyone's saying this, but when I look at it, I don't see that. Right. And sometimes I'm just an idiot and don't know what I'm talking about. And sometimes I'm right. The greatest example of me being right was Ohio State versus Miami in the 2002 National Championship game. Because going into that game, I argue with anyone who would listen, why can't Ohio State beat Miami? And everyone said, oh, because Miami's offense is too good. Ohio State is slow. They don't play nobody, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, but what you have to understand is like that defense is legit. Right? Like they're legit defense. So if they could make it tough them then they stick around that's how they play they're comfortable in that in that area and of course sure enough what you see they won that game so the game i'm referring to this week is the cowboys versus the eagles a game in which the eagles are favored by six now i know they're five and oh they're riding high. They have one of the best offenses in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is coming into his own. And oh my God, the Cowboys are good, but they have Cooper Rush. What's he going to do? How is he going to score enough points to keep up with the Eagles? Oh, are you kidding me? I'm here to tell you, I don't believe, I don't believe that they're as good as everyone would like to claim. I don't think it. I don't think that. I think pretty clearly what's happening with them is they are benefiting from playing a lot of bad teams and they are benefiting from the fact that just because they're 5 and 0 
everyone is ignoring any flaws that they may have. Well, let me tell you some things. Going into this game, uh, their tackle is dealing with a bum shoulder. Their center is dealing with a bum ankle. And both of their guards are having lower body injuries. One is dealing with a leg issue and another has an ankle issue. So they're banged up along the offensive line. Guess who they're going against? One of the best defensive teams in terms of sacks in the NFL. The Cowboys rank second in the league in sacks. So you have a banged up offensive line going against one of the top pass rushing teams in the NFL. That sounds like it could be a tough day for you. But again, they're 5-0. and They're so good. Oh my God. Oh my God. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Huh. Okay. Here's what I'll say about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is completing 68% this year. Fine, whatever. He's got 1,300 yards. That's a lot. Fine, whatever. No problem with either of those. He only has four touchdowns. Four passing touchdowns in five games. For the number one offense? He don't got no passing touchdowns, bro? Less than one a game? That's odd. He's got a quarterback rating of 97.4, QBR 59.4. Neither one of those are like are like unbelievable. He's only averaging 3.9 yards per rush. A mobile quarterback, a guy who's known for running, his running ability. A guy who coming into the year, everyone said, keep him in the pocket because he can't be a pocket passer. Is now getting 3.9 yards to carry. That's not that's not going to kill you. The guy's also been sacked 11 times. Now, hold on now. Again, you're going against the number two team in the league in sacks. And you have a banged up offensive line. And he's already been sacked 11 times in five games. It's twice a game. Hold on. He's 18th in the NFL in passing attempts at only 159 total pass attempts this year. So they're not throwing the ball that much. Huh. Which means they are as close to one-dimensional as you can be. But they are winning games. I will give you that. The Eagles are winning games. But check this out. They beat the Lions. They're 1-4. They beat the Vikings, who were 4-1. It was a tough game. They beat the Commanders, who were also 1-4. They beat the Jaguars, who are 2-3, and three, and they just beat the Cardinals, who are 2-3. and three. So their opponent's record is a grand total of 10-15. and 15. That could explain how you're 5-0. and oh. If you're a good team, you play bad teams, you're most likely going to win. So then you say, all right, well, what about the defenses, though? You know, the offense, those teams have good defenses, right? Well, the Lions are... 31st in the NFL in total defense, and they're giving up a whopping 34 points a game, and they're allowing quarterbacks to uh, have a QB rating of 101 against them. That's that's abysmal. The Vikings are 24th in the NFL in defense, giving up 20 points a game, and allowing the opposing quarterback to get a 95 rating. The Commanders, who are 1-4, are 18th in, the, in defense, allowing 26 points a game and a rating of 104 against them. Now, the Jaguars, the toughest test, is ranked ninth in the league, giving up only 16 points and only allowing 74 uh, QB rating. And guess what? That's the toughest game that they've played so far this year. Because the Cardinals just last week are 17th in the NFL in defense, giving up 25 points a game and a QB rating of 101 against them. So it the toughest defense that, that the Eagles played, they had their toughest game. Their closest game, the one where it looked like, ooh, it's coming, it's getting, it's getting pretty hot, was the best defense they played and the best team they played. Now, what does that say to me? 
that instead of looking at the Cowboys and saying, oh, how are they going to keep up with the Eagles? Let's ask the Eagles, hey, how are you going to deal with that defensive front? Because you got, you got, you know, four diff- four of your five offensive linemen are dealing with some sort of injury. You're going up against, uh, in case you're wondering, the Cowboys are ranked seventh in the NFL in total defense. They're only allowing 14 points a game. QBs are only having a 75 rating against them, and they're second in sacks. That's a legit defense that the, that the Eagles are about to play. That is by far the best defense that they have played thus far this year. So why are we thinking that they're not going to have a really tough time against that defense? You know what else matters? Cooper Rush is not a rookie. Cooper Rush is a guy who's been in the system for years. Cooper Rush is a guy who's been studying your film every week just in case he had to go in there. Cooper Rush is a guy who's also familiar with the Eagles and what they do defensively. And these division games, they're always tight. And I understand the Eagles are 5-0. and no. Oh, my God, they're riding high. Whoa, only undefeated team in the league. Whoa, this third ranked in the NFL power rankings. Whoa, the Eagles are really good this year. They do some good things on offense. They hit you with some motions and some trickery stuff and some screens and da-da-da-da-da, whatever. Jalen Hurts has four passing touchdowns. He's averaging 3.9 yards a rush. Like, I know they're winning. So you assume like they they must be really good. They're winning all these games. But when you dig deeper and you realize, look at who they're playing. That could have something to do with it. Now, I'm not saying the Cowboys have had the toughest schedule ever. I'm not saying that the Cowboys have beaten only good teams. But what I am saying is in the toughest game the Eagles have had, they went against the best defense they played. Of their five wins, one team was ranked in the top 10 of defense. Everyone else was no higher than 17. Two of them were below 20 bottom in the league in terms of defense and the one team that was high ranked is the team that they kind of struggled with my lock this week i have zero doubt in my mind that cowboys get the job done and beat the eagles that's my lock of the year the cowboys will come in i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna go a step further than that the cowboys will come into this game they will win in philadelphia on sunday night football they will win and then the cowboys will officially be the talk of the town the cowboys are going to go right up into the top five in nfl power rankings and you know what's going to happen the following week they are going to stink up the joint and the whole narrative of the cowboys will do what the cowboys do will come right back around and they will be the laughing stock again but you mark my words my lock for the year the Cowboys will beat this undefeated Eagles team on Sunday Night Football. Book it. Because I'm giving you I'm I'm giving you information. So you so you want okay, okay, okay. Because you're probably saying, yeah, but like, I mean, they won the game. Like Jalen Hurts is still playing good. Okay. Against the Lions, Jalen Hurts had a, a quarterback rating of 80.6. Against the Vikings, he had a quarterback rating of 109. Against the Commanders, 124. Against the Cardinals, 90. Against the Jags, 72.8. Yep, you bet. You guessed it. The Jaguars, ninth ranked in the league in defense. That's the one he struggled with. The Commanders, 18th in the league, he did great. All of the ratings line up with what the information says. That's what you have. That's what you get. That's what happens. That is it. That is what it is, guys. This is a lock. Put your bet your house on it. 
I'm not bad. Mine, I got a wife. She'll kill me. <laughs> as right as I may think I am, man, there's always a chance I'll be wrong. But this is my lock for the year. I'm not. This is not going to be the only lock of the year. This is one of the locks of the year. Listen, I can tell you right now, Michigan, Ohio State, lock for the year also. But we'll get into that when that time comes. But this right here, this is the lock, man. This is going to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. Because everyone's falling in love with the Eagles and where they are because they're undefeated. And I watch, I watch these these programs and these and these analysts talk about the Eagles and how great they're doing, how great Jalen Hurts is playing. Look, he's really improved. Blah 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 blah. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, ah, that no, that's not true. You don't you don't believe that. You're just looking at the end result, which is a dub, and you're saying, oh, they're playing well. No, there's been plenty of examples. You can look at these games and really watch it and be like, yo, they. They could easily have lost a game or two here. It doesn't have to, like all right. For example, we watch the Giants. Does anyone really think that the Giants are legit and think that they're like a real contender and they're four and one and they're one of the best in the league? Do you really believe that? No, you don't. Because when you watch the games, you can see. Oh yeah, we see what that is. Look, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I'll look at you and say, "Hey, I could look at the Cowboys and say, no, offensively it's a little limited, but defensively they're legit, and hopefully the defense can carry the way." But at some point, a stinker is going to come. That stinker's not this week; that's next week, but it's going to come. And so I don't look at the end result and say, "Oh, they're really good just because they won the game." No, how you win matters. What happened in the game matters, and I think that the Eagles are fortunate around their schedule. I think that's a real factor. And I think this week they're going to get exposed. I think this, I think the Cowboys, here's the thing. The Cowboys hate the Eagles just as much as the Eagles hate the Cowboys. And the Cowboys want to beat the Eagles just as bad. And the Cowboys have the dogs and the players and the skill to do it. So you mix that strong desire, that will, that hatred, that I want to get them mixed with the fact that you have the ability to do it. Hey, that's a, that's a recipe for, for a mess. And I'm telling you right now, much like a few years ago when Romo went and then went up into Philadelphia and through and Des Bryant had like three touchdown catches and they washed them it's going to be similar to that I think defensively they are going to obliterate the Eagles offense and I think people are going to say maybe the Eagles are overrated and maybe the Cowboys defense is one of the best is the best in the NFL that's the type of conversation we're going to be having before next week that's my lock of the year y'all go book it I'm trying to tell you so let's get into the picks for the week while we're at it. So this week we'll do we'll do something a little different. Let me start with the NFL picks and we're already there. So you know how I feel about the Cowboys. I got the Cowboys and the Eagles. Eagles are favored by six. Take the Cowboys. Right? They're gonna win, but at the very least, it's gonna be closer than a six point game if they were to lose. So take the cow take the Cowboys. They cover the spread. Broncos and the Chargers. Chargers are favored by five. I'm taking the Chargers and the points. I don't think this is going to be close. I think this is one of those games where Russell Wilson is finally going to hit that point where it just falls apart. It's just not working this year. This year is a wash, man. It's over. And I think Justin Herbert coming back from his rib cartilage injury, I think is going to have another week. And I think he's going to look a little bit more like himself this week. And they're going to put up some points on the Broncos, whose offense is just abysmal. They can't move the ball at all. It's not working. They're having real problems. They're going to start getting desperate and trying some stuff. And it's going to not it's not going to work for them. I like the Chargers. Take the Chargers and the five points. You got the Steelers versus the Bucks. Hey, another big line. Bucks are favored by eight. Guess what? I'm taking the Bucks 
and the points they will cover they will win by more than eight because again that's another feisty defense going against kenny pickett kenny pickett is limited you'll see what happens the ravens versus the giants the giants are riding high after their win in london everyone's loving the giants oh man the giants are so good giants are so good blah 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 blah. guess what the ravens are coming in off of a tough loss they're favored by five hey man they're favored by five take the ravens in the points they win by more than five the Commanders are facing the Bears, and it's an even line. Yes, my favorite, just the pick em game. <laughs> that lets you know how bad it's been for the Bears. The Bears have been really bad, but here's what I do know. No, I shouldn't say it. Here's what I believe. I believe this week is the week that uh, Justin Fields has a big day. I think Justin Fields goes off a little bit this week. I think he starts to let it fly. I think they start to say, hey, we need to figure out this guy is the guy. They take the training wheels off and they throw him out there in the deep end. And I think he performs. I think I think they win that game. We don't have to worry about points because it's a pick em game. I'll take the Bears in that game. Moving over to college, you got uh, Penn State going against Michigan. And I'm going to be honest with you. Every part of my being wants to pick Penn State. But I feel like I only want to pick that because I don't like Michigan. This is a noon game. It's in Ann Arbor. Penn State is ranked number 10. Penn State's pretty good. But Penn State's also one of those teams that can either rise to the occasion and be great. Or they could kind of throw out a dud. And as much as I hate Michigan, I do think Michigan, if I'm being honest, I think Michigan will take care of Penn State. I kind of don't think it'll even be that close. I think it'll kind of be close maybe till midway third quarter, and then Michigan will start to separate a little bit because I think Penn State is still kind of overachieving. Um, So I like Michigan in that game as much as I hate to say it. Alabama is going against Tennessee. I'm going to take Alabama, man. I I think Alabama is one of those teams that because they've been so historically good, that this year when they're not having like a really historic year, people are looking at it as if like they're not as good. But it's still Alabama, bro. It's still the king of the SEC. I like Alabama to beat Tennessee and put Tennessee drop down a peg and say, look, we are still the kings. OK, so I like Alabama to win that game. Oklahoma State, I like them to beat TCU. I think TCU came, is coming off of a tough win. Versus Utah, right? It was Utah, yeah. Uh, that was a tough game. No, it wasn't TC. It wasn't. It wasn't Utah. Why did I always put Utah in there? It was. Uh, it was Kansas They're coming off the tough win at Kansas. Um, so I think they're gonna have a little bit of a letdown. Oklahoma State's pretty explosive, pretty good. I think Oklahoma State gets it done. NC State going to Syracuse. I like Syracuse to get the dub, man. Again, I've seen enough of NC State to know they're they're limited man they're they're limited they they damn near uh you know like it they just i just don't i don't buy it i know that noble wants to drop them out of the rankings but they're gone they're not ranked after this week they lose to syracuse and usc versus utah look i've been saying it every time i see utah in one of these games i pick them because utah is experienced utah is tough utah is well coached 
And I always think they're going to win, right? And I've been wrong the last couple of weeks, but I'm still riding with it. I think USC has a lot of transfer guys. I think they got a lot of guys who are coming in riding high and kind of front runners in a little bit of a way. I like Utah, the experienced veteran team who is tough and gritty, who has been through some battles. I like them to finally get the dub for me, finally get the job done and take out mighty, mighty USC. That's my time, y'all. Look. Uh, good show this week. I'm not going to overextend my stay. I hope you guys had a good time. Um, look, f- bet the house on the... Not, I Don't bet the house on the Eagles uh, Cowboys. Don't do that. <laughs> I was being... I was about to be very irresponsible and tell you to go out there and bet everything you have on it. Don't bet everything you have on it. But when it comes true, just remember, I wasn't saying it because I'm a Cowboys fan. I have no problem saying when the Cowboys are losing. I picked them to lose a couple times this year. This game, though, I think is a perfect example of the media buying into being results-based. Whereas me, you know me, I'm not results-based. If you do the right things, more times than not, you're going to be successful. And just because it doesn't work doesn't mean it wasn't the right thing. And just because something worked doesn't mean it was the right thing. So just because they're winning doesn't mean they're very good. You understand what I'm saying? That's why I'm going with the Cowboys. Uh, Look, we'll be back next week. Uh, I might have a little surprise for y'all next week. I'm not really going to say too much. I'm not going to indulge too much. But listen, follow me on social media. uh, Cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D on all social media platforms. Again, I'll be heavy on Twitter this weekend. Live tweeting during the games. No Ohio State this weekend. That's okay. We got a bunch of other picks, other games to watch. So we're still going to be in there tweeting, figuring out what's going on. Uh, And Sunday night, definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, follow me on Twitter and hit me up. Let's interact because I'm be going crazy doing that Cowboys dub against the Eags. Eags. Ugh, I'm so lame. <laughs> That's it, man. I'm out of here.